Today's Bible reading is from 1 John chapter 1. We are starting from verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and, get, and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not leave out the truth. But if we walk in the night as he is in the night, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus, his Son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter 2, verse 1. My dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He's the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. May God bless his own word. Amen. Thank you, Chiwa. Well, good morning again. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, even those of you online. It's so good to have you with us. We are obviously continuing our series in uh, 1 John this morning, and uh, it, as we dig into this, it promises to be another very engaging uh, study that we're going to move through as we look at this. So I hope that you're reading ahead and uh, trying to absorb some of what God's saying. And certainly we can only brush the surface, the surface when we do these messages. We want you to go home and get into it. Uh, as you leave this morning, there are some question sheets up there uh, on the mission, near the mission board, on the mission desk there. Uh, please feel free to grab those. If they run out, we're more than happy to get some more for you. But do be engaging uh, with the word. Uh, anyone who's spent any time with me and has spoken about the gospel with me would have heard me use three words on a fairly regular basis. Justification, sanctification, glorification. And this is the gospel story. This is what the gospel is all about. And so when we speak about being justified, it's about being put back into right relationship with our Lord and Saviour. It's the steps that Jesus took in order for that to happen. And the sanctification is the daily ongoing work where we set ourselves apart as holy instruments for our Lord and Saviour to be used for his glory and purposes. That's our everyday. That's where we live right now. And then we have our glorification, that time when we are going to stand in God's presence in glory, seeing him face to face. No more sin, no more heartache, no more pain. It's going to be an incredible time. And John is the only writer in the scripture who covers all three of these things. We have the Gospel of John, which speaks about the life of Jesus and everything that Jesus did in order that we can have relationship with him. We have the revelation of John. It's really a revelation of Jesus, isn't it? But the revelation of John, what John was given, 
is the story about what is going to happen in those end days and what, was going to hap- what is going to happen when we ultimately stand in God's presence in glory. So that is the glorification that John writes about there. And in the epistles that we are studying now, 1, 2 and 3 John, we have John talking about sanctification, how we need to be living for our Lord and Saviour in the here and now. And I just love John. I just love the way he writes. And, and I love... Um, that he covers all three of those things for us in a very clear and concise way. And so this morning, it's a very simple message. We're simply going to be talking about walking in the light and what it means to actually be those who are followers of Jesus and elect to walk in the light. I want you to think about who John is. What is it about John that allows him to speak so intimately about Jesus? We're told that John is the disciple whom Jesus loved. We think about John in the upper room and it is John that leaned back against the chest of Jesus during that meal. He had a privileged position there and he had an intimacy with Jesus that the other disciples did not share. It is John when Jesus was hanging upon the cross that Jesus looked down upon and said, behold your mother. Jesus entrusted his own mother to John at that time. And again, we see that special intimacy that was between Jesus and John. John knew about intimacy. John knew the relationship that could be enjoyed with Jesus. He understood how powerful that could be and how much it had transformed and changed his lives. And John wants to relay to us the fact that the same relationship that he had with Jesus is one that we can enjoy also. Our lives should be one of joy, even in the most difficult and hard times, because of who Jesus is and what he's done and the relationship we can experience with him. And John wants us also to understand that our eternal life doesn't start when we die. Our eternal life has started when we give our life to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're just waiting for all those promises to be fulfilled. But that should give us joy in the here and now because we know what's coming and we can be assured of that. John calls us little children in this epistle. And it's not to belittle us, but it's to remind us that we are God's children. We are adopted into his family. And again, the joy that the disciples experienced while Jesus was physically with them is the same joy that we can experience as we walk with him now. Let's pray. Father, you're a mighty God and I just love hearing about lives that have been transformed because of you and your word. We heard Aaron talk about that. I can testify to that, how much you've transformed my life. And Lord, that's my prayer this morning that our lives will be transformed because of the word that we hear that we each and every one of us believer and non-believer alike will be drawn one step closer to you lord open our hearts and our minds to hear from you i pray lord in jesus name and for his sake amen it has been my experience that sin is one of those things that we don't like talking about You begin to talk about sin to a Christian or a non-Christian alike and people suddenly get defensive. They start making excuses. They start pushing back against you. We get very, very uncomfortable. It seems that we all believe the lie that we're actually not that bad. You know, there's others who are a lot worse than me. And, and, you know, so I'm not that bad. And there's people who believe the good that they do will be enough for them to obtain eternal life uh, in, in the afterlife, if, you, if that's what you believe. Some people would say 
that they're good. And the problem is, as we read this passage of scripture this morning, if you even remotely believe that, you're calling God a liar because he says the opposite. And we have to wrestle with this tension. Romans 3 tells us there is none righteous, not even one. Isaiah 64 says, even our good works are like filthy rags. And we have a reluctance to admit we deserve one thing and one thing only. Judgment. We deserve hell. We've rejected God. And God's righteous judgment is that we suffer death and eternal separation from him. Praise God. He wasn't happy with that situation. And he wanted to change that around. And while we were still sinners, while we deserved to be judged and cast out, God sent his son into the world to save us, not to condemn us. He sent his son to save us. And all it requires is for us to say we are sorry, to confess our sins. And it's not a one-off thing. It's not something that we should do at that time and never do again. When we confess our sins, we're saying that we've decided to live a life for ourselves and we've rejected God because of the very way that we've lived. And then when we repent of our sin, we live a life that is marked constantly by us returning again and again and again to God to ask him for his forgiveness, to to repent of our sins afresh to him and to experience the love and forgiveness that he provides for us each and every moment of each and every day. And that is part of walking in the light with our Lord and Saviour. 1 John 1, 5 and 6 we heard read to us. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice truth. It's always interesting, John speaks about God first, who he is, what he has done and then he talks about us. And I think that's a good practice for all of us to get into. Hey, when we're speaking to each other, maybe we should talk about God first and then talk about us. John points to the reason he's telling us what is written. This, is, this isn't something that he has made up. Uh, he's not projecting what he believes God to be on others. He's not saying, well, in my context, I think God should be doing this. He is telling what he has heard from him. Him being Jesus. And so John's saying, I'm only passing on what Jesus has already said. Don't shoot the messenger. This is what Jesus has said to me and I'm passing that on to you. And it's more important than that because John is proclaiming this word. He is proclaiming Jesus' word. And the word proclaim here is a very important word. Uh, It's a word where... um, A king would send a herald to each of the cities if he wanted a particular message proclaimed, said. That's the word that's being used here. So it's a very important message. Everyone should sit up and pay attention. 
This is something that should not be ignored. This is something that should be at the top of the tree, basically. We all know about town criers, I think, who used to walk into the city centres, hear ye, hear ye, hear ye. And the town would absolutely stop because they knew that the message that guy was bringing was an important message. This is the same thing. That's the thinking behind this word proclaim. It's not just a retelling. It is important news and you need to listen to what is being said here. You need to pay attention. And that's what John is crying out here. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. And when people have talked about God being light, they've said that it's a manifestation of God's glory. And yes, that could be part of that. And that is true. Um, but it's not what's being referred here, I don't believe. Others have said it refers to God revealing himself to man. And yes, that's true also. Jesus came as the light to the world and all that type of stuff. But I don't believe, again, that's what is actually being referred to here. In the context of what John writes, this refers to God's moral character. Throughout scripture, light is symbolic of truth, of holiness, of purity. And so when it speaks about God being light here, that's what it's referring to. It's referring to the very essence and character of God. God is absolutely holy. Not just holy, he is absolutely holy. He is absolutely pure. He is absolutely morally perfect. He is absolutely honest and true. There is none like him. There is no shadow of darkness in him at all. That's what it says next. It supports that very thinking. In him, there is no darkness at all. We lose a little bit in the Greek here. It's actually a double negative, and that's very poor English uh, grammar. But in the Greek, it's very powerful, very meaningful. So if we were to literally translate that bit where it says, in him there is no darkness at all, it would be translated, there is no darkness in him, none. They want to emphasize the fact that there's not even a shadow. There's not the slightest thing. There's not the slightest doubt. God is pure and holy and righteous. I'm sure there's some of you sitting there going, yep, that's a no-brainer, I get that. But at the time of writing, the people that John wrote to were being influenced by false teachers, other gods, gods who tolerated their passions. And is it any different today? So many want a God today who tolerates what they think is acceptable and right. So many make excuses for their sin. So many project onto God what they think God should be. So many say, I can't help this. I was born this way. So many make excuses and think that God is merciful, gracious, loving and forgiving. And if that's the way God is, then he's going to forgive me. There is no hell. There is no consequences. He's a loving God. And a loving God couldn't condemn people to hell. But that's not the God that John speaks of. That's not the God John calls us to pay attention to. There is no darkness in him. None. And if I say I have fellowship with him, and John points out again that when we talk about having fellowship with God, that fellowship is determined by the very nature and character of who God is. This is the heart of the very important message that John is proclaiming here. He's addressing those who may say they are a follower of Jesus, and yet they've allowed sin to have a foothold in their life. There are people who may have the appearance of being a believer. They may talk the talk, but they do not walk the walk. 
When they're examined, when their lives are examined, they come up wanting. And John's talking to each and every one of us who do not take sin seriously enough. He gives three negative examples followed by a positive truth. And they begin in verse 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. When we say we have fellowship with God, with Jesus, we are saying that we are walking in the light with him. It's not just about who God is. Sorry, it's about who God is, what he says. And not what I think is right, not what I think should be done, not what I think God should do or how I think he should act. It's not even about what you say corporately God should be. It's about God himself, who he is, what his word says. And when we read the word walk in the New Testament, it's referring to conduct and behavior and lifestyle of a person. And that covers the times when we see you and the times that we don't see you. It is a present and habitual lifestyle. It's the things that constantly happen and occur in your life that has been referred to here. And God is light. Because of that, I, as his follower, am going to walk into the light as well and I'm going to continue to walk in the light. Light is a revealer of things. I'm sure we would all agree with that. Light dispels darkness. Darkness does not dispel light. And so, when we walk in the light of God's light, he reveals things to us. Things that need to be corrected. Things that need to be changed. Things that need to be repented of. And things I need to deal with, with his strength. But if we say we're following Jesus, if we say we have fellowship with him, and we ignore these things that are being revealed to us, then we're not really walking in the light. We're choosing to walk in the darkness. And we're told we're liars if we do such things. We're told we don't practice truth. That means we're not living as believers. We're not truly following Jesus. It isn't just that we say we love Jesus and follow Jesus. It's how we live each and every moment, each and every day, that counts. But if we do walk in the light, as God is in the light, we not only have fellowship with God, but we have fellowship with other believers. And I want to tell you, this is the fruit of living in the light. And we're experiencing this at SDBC now. There is this growing unity coming amongst us. We're experiencing more and more of that. And it's occurring because people are confessing and repenting of sin. They've actually done that in my presence. There's people who are turning back to God. There's people who are spending more and more time reading his word. There's people who are engaging in prayer more than they ever have before. And so we're seeing this unity growing because people are determined to walk in the light more and more each and every day. And we can really praise God for that. And we're seeing that unity grow. So we're having fellowship one with another. And you'll see more and more events growing in the church where we want to continue to push that and have greater fellowship with each other. And so this fellowship spoken of is a sharing together because of our common bond in the Lord Jesus Christ and expresses a mutual love to God and a mutual love for each other. When we walk in the light, things are revealed. 
And those who wish to remain in the light and maintain fellowship with God and fellowship with other believers are those who are willing to confess their sins. And we're told, when we confess our sins, Jesus is willing to continue to cleanse us from all of that sin. And John says, if we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The expression here to have no sin is only found here and four times in the Gospel of John. And in each case, it means to be guilty of sin. And John is addressing people who say that since they've given their lives to Jesus, they no longer sin. But John says, you're deceiving yourself. It's simply not true. How could you believe that? We're living in the now and the not yet. We're not yet perfected. And he wants to emphasize to us, you're not only deceiving yourself, but if you believe that, the truth isn't in you. You're not living how Jesus would have you to live. And John, again, is calling this person a liar. But if we acknowledge these sins, again, as a result of God revealing them in his light and presence, and if we confess them, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. An authentic Christian living involves honest acknowledgement of sin and confession of that sin. And confessing sin is not something we like to consider. Confessing sin isn't something that we discuss a lot, and certainly it's not discussed a lot in Scripture. But we have accounts in Matthew 3.6, Mark 1.15, James 5.16, and Acts 19.18, where people confess sin, and they did it publicly. I want to tell you, I've had many people sit across from me who've committed terrible sins who've been caught in addictions, many different addictions. And out of all of those who have openly confessed that sin to me, only one has continued in that sin. There is some power in confessing sin. I can't explain it. It's not me. It's, it's not Pastor Darrell. It's not anyone but God and Holy Spirit. There is a power there in confessing sin. Which, which transforms lives. And I've seen it. We confess our sins. And God is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us. How is God faithful and just? And many believe that this is a reference back to the Old Testament and particularly to Exodus 34, 6 and 7 where it says, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin. The word of God is repeated in other places in the Old Testament just like this. And because God is light, because he is willing and faithful, he will fulfill his word and promises at all times. We can trust him and we can be assured that when we confess our sins, not only are we forgiven, but we are cleansed. It means everything that would sever our fellowship and relationship with God is removed. The way is open. Once again, we can continue to have fellowship with God. He has cleansed us. He will remember it no more. But if we say, 
We have no sin. We make him to be a liar and his word is not in us. There's much discussion around verse 8 and verse 10 as to whether they are referring to two different situations relating to sin or not and we don't need to go there. But what all the commentators do agree on is that in verse 8, the one who says they are without sin is deceiving themselves and in verse 10, the one who says they are without sin or has no sin is basically calling God a liar. And we live like God's word is not in us. We are not true followers of Jesus and of God. And these are hard words to hear. But John is addressing people who have rejected or ignored the universal sinfulness of men, which is recorded all throughout Scripture. And worse still, these people who say they have not sinned make a mockery of the sacrificial death of our Lord Jesus Christ. It would make no sense for Jesus to die if there's anything we could do to save ourselves, to arrive at a position where we are completely without sin. We come to the second chapter of John. And John changes the way he addresses his readers. Sorry, I must have missed that verse. We're looking at John 2, verses 1 to do. My little children... I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is a propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And again, some may read this and be offended that John says little children, but this is a term of affection. John genuinely loves and cares for these believers as if they are his little children. And in a lot of ways, they are. He's the one that has spiritually raised them up. He's the one who's instructed them. He's the one who has mentored them. And he's the one who has helped them to continue to walk in the light. And John writes this. So his children will not sin. He wants them to understand the relationship that they have. He wants these people who claim to be in fellowship but walk in the darkness. darkness. He's saying to his people, don't be like that. Don't be like them. Don't accept the lies of this world. These people who say they don't sin or there isn't any sin, don't be like them. Walk in the light. His desire is that they will continue to walk in the light because as we walk in the light, these things are revealed, things that are wrong, things that we need to deal with. And John says when that happens, when we are made aware of these things to correct, remember, Jesus is your advocate. This means that Jesus stands at the right hand of God and he intercedes for us on our behalf. It's another wonderful Christian phrase that we don't really explain too well. But it means Jesus is constantly before God presenting his death over and over and over again for me, for you. So my sins are cleansed and forgiven. So when God looks upon me, he doesn't see me. He sees Jesus. He sees his righteousness because I have none of my own and that's why I need Jesus as my advocate. That's why I need Jesus to intervene for me. Jesus stands in the presence of our holy, righteous God and speaks on my behalf, on behalf of each and every one of us. He is our advocate and he's also the propitiation for our sins. That simply means that Jesus is the accepted sacrifice for all sin. The sins of the whole world, it says in verse 2, chapter 2 of 1 John. 
Jesus paid the price once and for all. I've taken that for granted so many times. I failed to understand the seriousness of my sin. What about you? When we sin, do we see it as breaking a rule or cheating a lover? You may not think of things that way. But if you leave church today and you roll through a stop sign, you're breaking a written law. A law that is part of a system of rules. But when we cheat on a spouse, we break a law against that person. Do you understand the difference? Because when we sin against God, it's like that breaking the law against a spouse. He loves us so much. He's given everything for us. And when we sin, we trample that underfoot. Our sin breaks fellowship with God. If we say we follow God as a believer, we have a relationship with him, we have fellowship with him, and when we sin, that is severed and broken. And John says, this is a serious thing. I am proclaiming this to you. Sit up, pay attention, listen. You've got to get this. If you don't get this, you're not going to get anything else. You're not going to understand what is going on. And I think so many of us have a habit of belittling our sins. So many of us have a habit of pointing across the room and saying, they are so much worse than me. And we read the story about the Pharisee and the tax collector in Scripture where he said, I thank you, Lord, that I'm not like this man. And we think, what a hypocrite. But we never look at our own sin in similar light when we point out others in the same way. The reality is, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And instead of demanding that we be acknowledged because we're not as bad as someone else, we should acknowledge that before a righteous, holy God, all we deserve is death. We deserve nothing else. We have no other rights. Eternal separation from him. But God, being rich in mercy, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, by grace you have been saved. And he has raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches in his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace you have been saved and this not of yourselves is the gift of God not by works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we walk in them. The only way we can do that is to walk in the light. Let's pray.
Lord, you are a merciful, gracious, loving God. I, I just don't get it. I don't get why you would love me like you do, but oh, I'm so thankful that you do. Lord, I'm standing before a lot of people this morning. There's more joined us online at home. God, I just pray that you've spoken to each of us. I thank you you've spoken to me already through this passage. Lord, I pray that you'll convict us of our sins, that we'll acknowledge the seriousness of our sin, and that we'll want to be restoring our relationship constantly with you, that as John has said, Lord, we want to keep coming back because we're walking in the light and you're revealing things to us. And so, Lord, I want to pray for each and every person who's hearing my voice now that this week they will just commit themselves more and more to you each and every day, that they'll have this desire to draw closer to you, to be walking in the light, and they'll do that by reading your word, by praying, Lord, by contacting another Christian brother or sister and encouraging each other and spurring each other on in the faith. Lord, we want to be about your business. Let the things of this world fall away. Let us not be deceived, Lord, as people have been deceived previously, as I've been deceived, Lord. And let's follow you as you should, as we should. Father, bless us and keep us. Let your face shine upon us. Give us your peace, love and grace. And let us experience and know the gift of forgiveness and purity and holiness in your presence and power. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless one and all. Again, question sheet up the back if you'd like to take that with you and just engage with the passage a little bit more. Morning tea will be served. Please enjoy that and have a good chat with someone you don't know so well. God bless. Thank you one and all.